0: hello everyone and a very warm welcome to this is the second time i've done it because actually it was a full start so today i'm uh, delighted to be uh, joined by mel stanley um personal branding and career development coach uh, and this is part of the analytic and tribal impact social advocacy series so very warm welcome thank you so much for joining us mel
1: pleasure good to be here yeah. thank you
0: and I'm sure the listeners would love to uh, to understand a bit of your background, but also uh, maybe a question as part of that introduction as well. Why is it why is it important to develop your personal brand?
1: Um, well, so do the first part, um, my background. So I started off in advertising and marketing in agencies. So my very first job was at which. So I had a bit of a squiggly career in that. I've gone client side agency, client side agency, and then client side. Um, but probably most of the years, but probably most of the years were spent in in ad agencies, marketing agencies, um, but and all in the same discipline. So what was interesting was um, when I decided I wanted to do this, I hadn't really, I didn't really understand the notion of personal branding. It hadn't come across. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it. it. I mean, I think at the time it was quite American, um, but uh, I knew all about commercial brands, and I knew, you know, I knew how to promote a can of beans. So it was a combination of things, really. That um, I wanted to, I wanted to help women get into more leadership roles. We'll talk about that later because I'm really passionate about representation and um, and gender diversity. Um, and also, I thought, well, that's something I can do. Because, you know, surely, if I can, if I know how to um, market and create a product, I can do the same for a person. Uh, and I want to do it specifically for women and join typically for women and, and join those two things together. So I kind of did 25 plus years in marketing and brand, as I say, on, on both sides of the fence. Um, and the reason I think that I know from experience how important personal branding is. is the very last role I I, I, um, I got in my full-time employee, which was um, at EDF. I got purely as a result of my personal brand um, because I decided 10 years prior that I wanted out a full-time employee. Um, I had an idea that I wanted to do marketing consultancy of some sort because obviously that was my area of competence. Um, and I thought I probably needed to have a big... Solid blue chip client role to be able to cement my credentials, Uh, but it's very difficult to shift into client side when you've been senior in agencies for such a long time. Uh, And I, you know, I'd had two board positions, one at Proximity and one at Ogilvy. But you know, there's a lot. But you know, there's a lot of myths about clients hiring agencies and agencies hiring clients. Uh, So I repositioned myself. Didn't you know it wasn't uh, wasn't inauthentic? But I started to go out on LinkedIn and talk about the more commercial side of marketing that I'd been doing, creative as well, but more commercial. What the results were, what I'd achieved. Um, So putting a much harder quantitative angle on my CV, and uh, and I put a search out on LinkedIn for a client side role outside of London and sat and waited. Like a little spider for eighteen months, and built my profile until that lead came in through a set of connections, and um, it was almost done and dusted over LinkedIn um, through Messenger on LinkedIn, and and it wasn't really until a couple of years after that that the, the the this is a personal brand. I thought, hey, I, hey, I've been doing that, and and the big I guess big insight was. I'd probably been doing that for quite some time, and I hadn't really realised. And it made me understand that everybody has got a personal brand, whether they own it or not. Everybody has got a personal brand because you know your reputation, what people talk about, what you're known for, um, that is so closely aligned with your personal brand. So you know, I I, I know some people personal brand. You know, that's just for Instagram influencers. It's absolutely not um it's an essential and integral career development tool and as i said we've all got one so if you're going to have one you might as well use it to your benefit um and that was that's where it all started from
2: you see that that's fascinating because you made a conscious decision then didn't you you was this, this is where i want to go and you planned in advanced and you shifted yeah. your brand to fit your objective and where you wanted to go that's so you nice. wanted to go that's so that's nice. that's, that's quite interesting i'm almost feeling like that is there a step before with the people that you work with that is maybe people don't know where they want to go do you do you do you do that bit as well because it might be that they think mm, i know i need a personal brand i know i want to progress in this company but I'm not entirely sure that's that's something that i know we come across quite a lot right tim yeah. is that people don't they don't know what they don't know so sometimes there's a bit of soul searching that has to happen which is to really understand who they are um yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about that.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because (laughs) um, uh, so I have a (laughs) I have a framework that I use. And it's absolutely that because I was um, since a very early age, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I've always had a plan in place. You know, when somebody says to me, when I speak to I've, I've, people who have worked with me before, and I've said, you know, what's your, what's your plan? Have you got a two-year plan? If they say no, got two-year plan? If they say no, I can't believe it. I've always planned. So um, my, my signature framework is um, three stage. It's essentially where you are now, which is, as you say, an exercise in discovery and self-awareness to uncover and dig deep on um, who you are, what you're interested in, what your strengths are, how you're currently perceived, actually, as well. So there's that element, and then there's the where do you want to go? And this isn't just about next year or the year after. It's it is ten years time. So you know, what's um, you know what's your passion? What's your purpose? If I said to you. If you didn't have any barriers, if you didn't have any financial concerns, if you go anywhere, do anything, what would it be? Because that's the kind of North Star. And then you ratchet it back and say, OK, let's add a dose of reality to this and try and work out what might be achievable. Um, because, you know, goals are great. And they have to be stretchable. but they've also got to be, to be stretchable, but they've also got to be achievable. And then you plan your career to get to that point. And that's exactly what I did. So move things around, move the jigsaw in order order to help me get there. So every step in your career should be the platform for the next role. And if you have a brand, you can do that because your brand evolves with you. Um, you know, all brands do, all commercial brands do, they're not static. Um, So you can work that and leverage it and make the right connections as long as you have a plan in place. And then the final part of the three-stage process is once you've got your brand, you know where you want to go. So what your future brand ambition is, how do you amplify it? How do you make that plan happen? Uh, And then social media and LinkedIn particularly is a huge part of that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I was thinking while you were just explaining that, that when you look at commercial brands, everyone is now comfortable with measuring what the brand means and where it should go. But when people look at, at, at their own individual, their own individual situation, that they they don't associate the word brand with with themselves, do they? Is yeah. that is that part of the the challenge to to explain the why to a lot of people, or, yeah. or do you think it's massively changing that people are just coming to you saying? Yeah, you know, I understand that I need to work on this. How can I do it?
1: It's principally the latter. Um, I've evolved my proposition quite a lot since I started nearly three years ago. I used to talk a lot about purpose and Simon Sinek's "Why" and the golden circles and all the rest of it. Um, but I found that it um, it confused people because, and I understand that because you know having a, a big purpose. Is great. Um, and, you know, we all want will, peace, but we all have the reality of uh, what we can do and our day jobs and the confines of that. So asking somebody to work towards a big purpose is much more difficult, much more difficult for them to conceptualize than saying, where would you like to take your career? Or if you could do anything, what would it be? Um, that's much easier. But a part of the process is to, um, eke out and uncover what those passions and areas of enjoyment, which may not be causal related, um, you know, those those things come out of the discovery process of your of brand. And often, um, you know, I, I'll talk to career women who've got this idea of, oh, they want, you know, go vertically up the pole into, you know, director, senior director, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll find out that they've got a real passion and a qualification for doing something else like um, you know, I, I spoke to somebody who does dog walking. She's, she's doing a, a qualification and got dog walking. When I said, well, how can you turn that? You know, why, why don't you want to do that full time? Well, I couldn't do it because it doesn't pay. Um, and those are the kind of things. You just start think, well, actually, well, if you marry this expertise with that passion, is with that passion, You can make something out of this, maybe not for today, maybe not tomorrow, but certainly something to go for in 10 years if that's what really drives you. Because I honestly believe we don't do things that we enjoy and we have to work. Most people have to work at least eight hours a day, five days a week. Agencies often more. If you don't enjoy it, don't matter how much you're going to get paid, at some point it's going to be stressful, demoralizing, and you're going to want out.
2: Mm. Mm. So what, what would you say, I'm curious, this is not something we were going to cover, but what do you think are the components of a personal brand? You kind of touched on it a little bit, mm. as you said about amplifying it on social media. Mm. Um, and you also touched on it's the people's perception of you. But mm. I'm guessing it also includes, you know, the way you are, the way you appear, the way you behave. I don't, you know, what what yeah. would you describe yeah. to people as being
1: yeah so there's a sort of foundation elements which is um uh, a look at your values because values people's values are really important for where they work because if you're they work because if your personal values butt up against those of your employer um or you're asked to work on an account for example which you don't you know you principally don't agree with like gambling or you know smoking or something like that if you principally don't agree with that that's not part of your value set and you have to work on it and you have to be paid to work for it It makes it very very difficult to thrive so the first thing is what's what's your values and what are you prepared to compromise on and what aren't you prepared to compromise on so i would never i would never work on betting um avid horse lover hate racing never work on a betting account if my life depended on it so um there was you know some values are important then the other aspect is drivers what motivates you you know what what makes you um, get out of bed in the morning what floats your boat what is needed in the day to make you happy when you get home and so that was a really cracking day why so there's there's those as well, and then there's yes there's the the strengths. So real strengths, and people are very good. You see all the time on LinkedIn profiles. All the time on LinkedIn profiles. I'm an innovator. I'm strategic. I'm creative. I'm this. I'm that. I'm good with people. Uh, you know, everybody says that. But what are your re- what are your unique strengths? And those are really born out of experience and personality. Um, And then there's obviously the skills, acquired things that you've learned whilst you're at work. You apply all of that. Those are the foundations of it. But then you add your personality on top. And personality is really the secret source, of the combination of all of those things and what makes you, you, which is your personality. And you know what? That's like a thumbprint. Nobody else has got that. And that's why it's so unique. And that's why it's part of your brand. Um, And then you take that out there and say, Okay, what do I want to be known for? I want to be known as a champion for women. That's it, basically. How I do that is neither here, that's what I want to be known for. So what do you want to be known for either in your work organisation or what's your legacy out there? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? And then how do you build a platform around that? Because that's your brand. You know, what what are your behaviours like that rack up to that? What what credentials do you need to support that? Um, You have to be consistent. And the amplification is making sure that everything you put out there, every time you pick up the phone, every time you send an email, every time you post something, should be consistent with what you want to be known for. And that's how you build your brand. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, it, it's a fascinating conversation, and I think you've covered so much ground there. We've actually got quite a few comments already, <laughs> yeah. um, and so I was. Some of the comments are going to take us off different tracks, but I thought it was <laughs> it was worth mentioning some of them. Uh, it, it appears as LinkedIn user for me, the the user for me, the the first comment. Uh, so apologies for not knowing your name. It says loving the discussion where it's heading. Very useful, especially for youngsters and professionals alike. Your great perspectives. Thanks for sharing valuable insights. Uh, Christoph uh, Hess, thanks for joining. He said, do you already see use cases for social advocacy in the metaverse? So that's what I thought would take us completely left field, Um, but very interesting question. (laughs) Um, And I think that we could probably come to that maybe at the end, because that's that's quite a big one. I'm not even (laughs) sure how I would answer that. Um, I would also say analyze consequence, resolve, doctrine, helps in career direction and development um
2: yeah like the process i think that is like analyze consequence resolve oh, doctrine you know how does that help yeah so i think yeah yeah sorry yeah, on yeah, um,
0: right. okay. and uh yeah and i think at least is agreeing with that point about you know what what would point about you know what what would you do if money was no no object so uh, and yeah. thanks for your comment adam as well uh so and Jason, hello again. Um, thanks for joining um, and supporting our event. So I, I think this is this is a fascinating framework. I, I think what I've found a challenge is that sometimes people don't like talking about themselves, and it's how how to get them to stop thinking logically about what they want to do. Because if you think logically, you think, okay, this is where I want to get in my career. But when you when you do X, ex- how do you get them to be in the in the right mindset to really like bring their passion rather than when they're in a meeting trying to sort of logically think through where they want to go
1: Mm. um well there's two questions there i think um people struggle to talk about themselves and self-promote women in particular, because it feels very self-serving um and for women it's it can be a source of uh, negative source of uh, negative judgment um so i think the um if you don't want to approach it from a rational and logical perspective which is i need to do a b c d in order to get to there um, i think how you you how you demonstrate what you're about is the key thing how and you can do that by um, if you switch from selling to serving so i talk a lot about if you go from i want to sell myself and let people to buy me in, uh, and that's a very strong self-promotional branding sort of way to how can I help my audience and get my name known through support and through um providing information insight stuff that's of benefit and useful to people because you know that's what makes people really memorable as well you're never forgotten if you provide something of use to somebody so there's there's two ways of doing it and if you ways of doing it and if you if you want to take your career in a direction that is as i say less um building blocky but you can start to think of okay what what are the kind of things i need to Uh, content I need to create? What are the kind of discussions I need to have and with who in order to demonstrate my credentials and my passion and my purpose without actually going out there and say, hey, this is my passion and my purpose, uh, because they're two very different things. Um, and I think in this day and age, action speaks way louder than, uh, than words. So being able to show what you're doing, show your brand um, and demonstrate through your behaviours and your actions with other people and you know maybe the organisation you're with is a probably far more authentic way of doing it than writing yourself a sales pitch. Mm.
2: And we often come across this, don't we, Tim, actually, in, on these chats about authenticity. And I think it, it's talked about a lot. Um, we normally ring a bell when that word comes up, um, but it comes up. Um, but actually, I think you've nailed it there, which is about you know moving away from selling and moving towards serving. If you shift your mindset away from you know, ta da, you know, jazz hands, this is me. But actually, talking about the demonstrating what you're good at by listening, learning, engaging, sharing content that supports your beliefs and your values. Um, that therefore then demonstrates you not it doesn't openly advertise you if you like absolutely so, yeah yeah i, I mean fun.
1: unlike unlike commercial branding with personal brand you don't go around with you know a tagline on um so the only way that you can i mean other than your linkedin headline and um, so the only way you can you can demonstrate that and get that message across is through your behaviors um and uh, what you stand for and what you talk about um, and so that third section, the amplification section, is really important. And lots—I mean, people, lots—I mean, people have like, you know there's varying levels of comfort with talking about who you are and what you do. Um, and so some people are very shy about it, and therefore well, we have to find something that is um, that they find they're comfortable with and it's within their comfort zone. Otherwise, they simply won't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and and that for some people might just be really sprucing up their linkedin profile and starting to post mm. you know for a lot of people that is a massive leap um from lurking in the background and reading stuff to actually starting to be proactive um mm. and um you know and changing their their profile away from just having their job title
2: mm. i am curious oh go on tim no you wanted to ask no, something
0: No, no, go for it sorry
2: no i was i was just gonna say because you did touch on it there about focusing on women um, can you tell us a little bit about that and why why you've chosen to focus, focus in that niche uh, with working with women?
1: Yeah, um, so um, so I guess I'm a bit of a warrior. Um, I I like to have I like to have a challenge. I like to take things on, and I've always um, I was brought up in an all female household, and I um, I've always supported the underdog. Um, in, in just in everything I like to see people succeed um, and come from nowhere and succeed and that's maybe you know my, my own upbringing I don't know but um, so the, the, the female thing came about because um, I absolutely passionate believe in gender equality and um, I am more than happy to piss off every guy in the place and say that we represent half of the population we should be represented on the boards at 50 percent not 30 50 um because that's equality that's true equality now the only way we're going to do that is going to do that is by i mean sure there's a um you know an onus on organizations to widen the gates and i'm very clear on that i'm talking about lowering the bar because you get lots of people say oh well it should be the right person for the right job absolutely agree not about quotas at all but organizations are structurally and culturally set up in favor of men. So that is automatically going to marginalize women. So they have to widen the door in order for more women to apply for these roles. But, and this is where the, 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 the female aspect came comes in, women need to be confident enough to do that. And there's a whole load of Learned uh, behaviors nature nature nurture the patriarchy, society expectations, having kids. there's a whole load of stuff that goes in and around that which makes it really complex and really interesting. but it means that women need in my view more support um support um, and because I fully believe in that cause, that's why I decided um, to support women in it and it's also an interesting niche um, and um, and what I find now is, you know, when I coach my clients and they go from being demoralized and feeling undervalued in a toxic masculine culture, which is often the case for utilities, which is where I used to work, um, they they really come out of themselves and go on and usually leave and go on to do much better things. And, you know, it's they bigger rewards, bigger jobs um, that they never would have thought that they could apply for because they never would have thought they could do. Uh, Because, you know, women are generally put in a box and a stereotype and just told to get on with it. Um, So there's all this burgeoning number of middle management women in organisations that need to get up to that next step. And that's my target. And that's my target. Those are the women I want to help. The execs are already there. They've already had the coaching invested in them. They've all, all, already had the exec training. Um, it's the middle managers, the super competence, um, where their ability to deliver and do sticks them to the floor. Um, what, those are the ones that need to need to step up. That are perfectly capable of stepping up. They just need the tools and strategies to be able to do it.
0: And and when when you talk to the middle management women, well. Mm. What percentage of them think about their personal brand or have thought about it already?
1: Not many. Uh, (laughs) It's not me. Yeah, there's a recognition um, of something. There's a recognition of how they are perceived within the organization. Because, you know, most people have had enough feedback to, and and continuous and, Uh, feedback that says the same thing so they they know how they're perceived um and they know what they want um and they know what they want to do but they probably they probably don't realize how how much that perception um can impact their career negatively so i you know i hear a lot of these these women saying but i'm really valued um, I'm really valued. No, they don't want me to leave. Well, no, they might not want you to leave because you're really valued at making somebody else look good and doing your their job for them. That's why they value you. If they value that, you that much, why aren't they promoting you? And that's the thing. It's getting passed out of that. Well, um, you know, women are very easily, um, um, we, we like reassurance, we like recognition. Um, and being told, being told we're valued can often go a long, long way. But ultimately, um, it's not enough. Um, if you want to do more, then you have to get away from just being the competent doer. And and that's what women do in middle management. Women do in middle management all the time. They work really, really hard um, and in the hope that that will be recognised and they will get promoted as a result. And they don't, because there'll be somebody coming along who does know how to self-promote, who does know how to network, who does know how to say, you know what, I can do that. That opportunity is mine.
0: Mm. So, so how would you... I, I, I completely agree with everything you said. Do you think social media now represents an opportunity to rebalance that? Because if we give you an example, the 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 the, the people that we've had on this LinkedIn Live series, a lot of them have made their careers through social media, uh, mm-hmm. and, there, and there have been men and women on this, and they've got disproportionate fame and personal brand through social personal brand through social media. And and their roles and hierarchies were not even uh, part of this. I mean, Rob McCargo from PwC was saying that he gets invited like next to the chairman or CEO of PwC, and there's lots of other people that are much higher up um, through social media. So, and there's been amazing women that we've had on on this series as well. Um, do you do you feel like it's a leveler?
1: Um, yeah, I think well, it's both a leveler, but it's also a it's a huge opportunity for, for women. Um, I think with um, some stat on LinkedIn. I mean, obviously LinkedIn has got gazillion um, members, but I think only about three percent ever create their own content. So the content, um, you know, originate their own content. So that's fairly small. Now, if you, William Aruda, who's a, um, a an American guy who does a lot about personal branding, he wrote a book called Digital You, and he did some research onto how of that percentage, how even of that percentage, how even smaller. It is for women um, who put out on social media um, on in professional networks like LinkedIn. Now, they're absolutely all over Instagram and Facebook and to some extent Twitter. Um, But the problem for women with LinkedIn is the professional judgment. They fear going out there and having an opinion and saying something. Firstly, because it's well, what have I got to say that's ever going to interest anybody? Secondly, if I put something out there, am I going to be judged negatively? Thirdly, what will my friends think if I put a post out on LinkedIn talking about what I think? Well, you know, who are you to say that? So there's again, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that stops uh, women do this, women doing this. But if you can get break out of that, it is a leveler. Because, um, you know, there's certainly uh, platforms like LinkedIn are, you know, there's a whole female community of creators out there who have got your back. Really are. I mean, I have really are. I mean, I have relied on so many over the last two years and they've been wonderful. Um, they'll promote you they'll tag your post they'll, they'll men- mention you comment on what you do um, because they've got much bigger networks and it gives you more exposure so it, it's it's a it is a massive opportunity um but it's just it's just having the confidence to to start doing it uh because mm-hmm. facebook's lovely you know but you know there's cats and, and <laughs> delicious recipes on facebook <laughs>
2: It's it, not it, help, no, I,
1: it's not going to help your career unless you want to be, you know, own a cattery.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I I actually find LinkedIn is a really supportive community, and I know mm. that you know generally if you you it's a bit like Twitter, right? You just get involved in the conversations that you you want to be involved in, where you find value and the communities that you warm to, and. Um, you know, and I think there's a bit of a misconception. I think a lot of people look at social and just people look at social and just get a bit worried about it. They get a bit scared because they just don't mm. want to be fired down. So um, I don't. I hope you don't mind, but I wanted to switch gears a little bit uh, mm. uh, t- more towards you and your routines and how you handle social. And um, it would be quite useful, I think, for folks, you know, to understand a little bit about your routines and how you manage it. Are you only on LinkedIn? Are you on Twitter?
1: Um. So, no, I mean, I've got a profile, either personal or first woman on, on most things. Um, I, I've tried them all. Um, I, LinkedIn is my hunting ground, uh, for sure. It's where my, I say, my tribe sits, because I'm apart from anything, I, I'm targeting, um, you know, professional women. Um, so lovely to see them in perhaps their native habitat on, on Facebook, etc. But I it's a professional um, female proposition that I've got. Um, so LinkedIn is my my big area. I also have, uh, I also have um, First Woman on Twitter. And I've been on and off Twitter three times. Uh, because the problem I find with Twitter is because of my, I get into stuff, you know. I start ranting. I can't <laughs> hold it. And it's you know I get involved with, with Boris Johnson stuff and all that kind of stuff, and it's just no, and it does your mental health no good. I'm no. serious. It, it winds <laughs> you up. So I've I've said when I went back onto Twitter this time, I'm the first woman as opposed to Mel Stanley. I am not going to get into any of that, and I'm slowly. Getting into- <laughs> <laughs> so um but I try I do balance it better now with more you know educational personal band stuff as personal band stuff as well. But I also think you know it shows your personality to be able to do that um, you know put those kind of posts out, be a little bit more perhaps divisive, maybe a bit political. Um so so it's fine, but I don't think there's a place for that on LinkedIn. Not for me. That's not my thing on LinkedIn, but I'm happy to do it on Twitter because frankly me ranting on Twitter is like tiny compared to many of them out there. So it's it's good. Instagram, yeah, um, not really, nah, not my, not my thing. Facebook, I have Facebook presence, but not under First Woman. I just post pictures of my cat. Um, and then I started testing TikTok. Oh, so
2: now this to, is a first. Go on then, because we've got I went it. to TikTok
1: um, thinking. Oh my goodness! I'm a 57 year old woman on TikTok. What is this going to be like? But I was again, I was encouraged actually by some of my LinkedIn friends who said, "Yeah, we know we're enjoying it. Give it a go." Um, and I loved it. I still do. Um, I'm, um, I'm honestly, now the the video f- filters on TikTok are amazing. I mean beats everything into um it really really good but i started off doing so i did three sort of mini videos about personal branding and all the rest and that was good um, and then i decided to start um doing videos my cat. Um, I love my cat's pieces. She's a diva. And um, it was just, I had some videos and I started putting it through the TikTok filters and discovered Tom Jones' What's New Pussycat and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And I thought, wow. So Portia's become a TikTok um, diva. Yeah, top down. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, again, I don't know. TikTok, it's just fun, isn't it? Some of my, um, again, yeah, some of my, my LinkedIn friends are making TikTok work for them. I don't think it's really me, but, but I enjoy it. And I really do enjoy some of the videos. It's so clever, what people put out there. It's so, so clever. Oh. Um, but LinkedIn is is, is me. This is, is me. And I guess, so my posting routine is, it's kind of disciplined and a bit random a bit like me so there's there's some <laughs> um a personal world if i think yeah so i don't know whether you follow justin welsh tad justin welsh he's uh he's a you know linkedin yoda and he has some very specific specific um disciplined um, structures for getting a huge audience on LinkedIn, and he certainly, by his own success, it works. And I did um, go on one of his courses to learn it about it all, but I'm not disciplined enough. I'm really not. Um, but I do, I do have buckets of content. So I have educational content, which is the um, how to, you know, how to build a personal brand, how to get more confidence, how to overcome imposter syndrome, those kind of things. And I have more personal content, but Again, I'm not, I don't like talking about very personal stuff. I think you can show your personality. Um, without having to get down into, um, you know, life changing things. Other people do it. That's absolutely fine. I don't judge. I'm not in the that should be on Facebook camp at all. But it's not my thing. But for sure, you know, personal stories or stories that talk about an experience and have an an edge of personality and have an, an edge of personality in them, those will get the most views. No question, they will get the most views. So a bit like a marketing funnel, if you want to get um, a rapid increase in in um, in views and to be seen, then you know, put something that's very personal out there, and even the most more personal the better, to be honest. If you can do it, um, my how to, um, uh, if it's very if it's very useful how to, and I've again over three years I've learned what really chimes and what doesn't. That can create some very very g- good engagement, and that's for me a better. Measure um, engagement because that's people who are actually commenting and DMing and saying, Oh, I found it. I thought this. Can you help me with that? And that's really interesting. Um, and then there's the other stuff that I post, which I call contextualized posting, which is when I start banging on about misogyny. Um, may- um men stalking women on linkedin um, i did a post a couple of weeks ago um we just put a photograph up of the munich security council which is 45 male pale and stale men um who are deciding on the future of the world so that went ballistic um so there's those kind of things but again you know they're not necessarily as a business person they're not necessarily going to invite people to um, by your services, but it certainly gives a sense of who you are, what you're about what your, your passions and purposes are um, I try and post every day somewhere between nine and 10 seven days a week. Um, I know broadly what works on the algorithm. Um, You can't beat the LinkedIn algorithm, but you can make it work for you a little bit. Um, There's some standard rules for that. But every day, and then I mix it up. So I do image and text, I do text only, I do some video, I do share some some articles, some some articles if they're really interesting, but always with a perspective rather than just a straightforward share. And it works. Um, You know, for me, it works. My measure, if it works is enough people are interested in what I've got to say to want to have a conversation I get almost all of my leads off LinkedIn almost all um and not always from people I know but somebody who knows me knows somebody else um and uh so I I think as long as you mix it up um it's there's a lot of test and learn in it though it's like all marketing I mean it's just a big marketing tool at the end of the day
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I I think when you said that you're not too disciplined or you're disciplined, but then you also sort of go off track a bit. You obviously do have a, a quite a, a good strategy and focused strategy in, in what works for you. And so, you know, it's really great to hear your routine and to see that you're getting leads from it and that the good word of mouth that you're generating. So that, that that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I wanted to go to something you said before, but also to expand upon it, your sort of social media advice I think. Um, when you're talking about taglines and personal brands, mm-hmm. we've talked over the past few years about whether it's good to have a hashtag a personal brand hashtag. So mm-hmm. you know, for example Brian Fanzo ha- has pressed the damn button because he wants people to to be able to pick up the mic and to speak and that he's he's tried to and I think successfully in in the b2B marketing, World, You coined that for himself. Do do you think and because you said earlier that taglines of uh, commercial companies, which I would have agreed with, but actually people like him and Daniel Guzman, other people are really trying to develop their own personal brand hashtags and i just thought this was interesting and i just wonder what your perspective is on that whether people can condense that into like three or four words because it's a very hard thing to do i mean i i don't have one Um, yeah
1: i've got one success without compromise um that's fine and um i put it um on where where appropriate i put it on the i put it on the bottom of my how-to posts uh because that's what um that's what First Woman is all about um, women being successful without having to compromise who they are. And so um, that's um, that's been there since the beginning. And it's interesting you say that, though, because um, I thought um, whether I could do it as a header. I could do it as a tagline under first woman, success without compromise and all the rest of it. But I decided not to because it it might need too much explanation, you know, the maximum of advertising, if it needs explaining, don't do it. So, um, but I do use it in um, on LinkedIn quite a lot. And I think it helps with search as well. But the second thing, probably for me, most important thing it does on LinkedIn is um, if people want to see all of your content and it's a unique um, hashtag then they can um, follow that hashtag and they will always see your content that's a little bit been replaced on linkedin by the bell thing you know you've seen yeah. that where yeah. if you if you uh, click on somebody's bell you see their, their their posts every day but um i think um yeah that would be my tagline and i know some people have um you know, john on linkedin relentlessly helpful is his and uh, they do work very very well if you um it Take the time to explain and ex- the time to explain and expand, and they you know they get um, in in people's minds. So that's probably the closest. What I meant was though, you know, you you wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't introduce myself as Mel Stanley, founder of First Woman, Success Without Compromise. Um, you know, it's it's it doesn't feel um, particularly natural. Um, it's just a very very for me, it's a very good summation of the outcome of yes. my position.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's the the difference then, isn't it? You have it you you can create a hashtag around you the person or you the mission um yeah. which is what you've gone with which is a way of categorizing your content in a way people can find it quite easily um yeah. and and know know the purpose behind it. So, no that's that's a good question that one, Tim.
0: Uh, because you yeah. you've got a a personal hashtag, haven't you, Sarah? That
2: I do. Uh, I do and I don't. I, I tested it for a little while. Um I haven't used it have I? Have I got one that I've missed then Tim? What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing?
0: <laughs> no I just uh, I, I thought you had a you know follow Sarah or the Sarah, you know, yeah, social wanted, uh, Sarah. yeah social Sarah. Yeah I was Sarah. testing. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't actually know exactly what it was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I haven't used it for a while because I was testing it. I'm testing the the impact of it to be honest mm. with you. So um so I haven't used it on the last few posts but yeah so I'm just trying to see see where that's at. So mm, mm. Um, I did have another question, actually, which is about creating your own content, because I know, mm. you know, you do text posts, image posts, you share article posts. So you're mixing it up. You're mixing the topics. You're mixing the type of posts when you share them. Mm. What about long form content? What about articles?
1: Oh, I love articles. They get the best engagement. Oh. Um, so uh, they get the lowest views. Uh, okay. Because partly because LinkedIn doesn't necessarily promote them so well, but um, so I um, I subscribe to Shield. I subscribe to Shield, um, the API that looks at all your, your content on LinkedIn and 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 you can rank it as regards views or um, or engagements. And if I look last year and this year, all my articles got the highest level of engagement. Oh. So when I um, uh, launched my newsletter uh last week no one puts baby in a corner um that had 51 engagement um yeah. which is massive yeah uh, in terms of so that's people who read it um you know not just clicked on it at it, and i think that's right um so I'm also, I I love writing. I did English um, language for um, uh, A-Level. It's about my only really successful A-Level. And um, I did uh, think about journalism or something like that. And actually, I started off in PR because that was kind of a a more, probably less aggressive form of journalism, aggressive form of journalism. Um, So I'm kind of a closet perhaps pretty shit but enjoy it anyway writing so writing articles um i i really enjoy doing it um it's also something that if you're writing for yourself like my blogs on on my site um you know you don't have to be worried too much about what other people think and you know you can just write what you you know what happens to be going on in your head at any given time so um yeah, I take a lot of inspiration from other people's posts and from books and articles, and um, and I I tend, you know I wrote one on New Year's Eve which did really well, which was music and misogyny on New Year's Eve, which was a bit of a rant about nineteen uh, seventies films like Greece. You'll have to read it to know what I was on about, but it was essentially about it's amazing how things that were accepted back then would no longer be accepted, and how girls of my age then I was. 14 to 15 when Greece came out, didn't even when Greece came out, didn't even notice the sexism and the misogyny and the microaggression in it at all. And it's actually teeming as a film. It's teeming with it. Um, so it's all of this kind of stuff and that just occurs to me and I write it and I really enjoy doing that. So long form for me is, um, is kind of where I'm at. I find it easier than writing sound bites. Yeah, I mean, again, Justin Welsh was said, that you know, there is a, um, a formula for doing those sound bites where you do all in lines. It's ten lines, and it's a really good um, um, number of points and a call to action and wonderful. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm just naturally verbose. I find it quite difficult
2: to do that. <laughs> no, no, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Oh, we got a. There we go. Phil's written interesting point on articles, Mel. Uh, from an engagement point of view, question, is there something you're doing to get to this level? A lot of people have given up, art- a lot of people have given up articles mm-hmm. up because of the challenge of getting the views, even knowing they are measured differently. Personally, I like them uh, for the long tail, but uh, long tail keywords, if anyone's watching. But even then, I don't do as many as I used to for myself. or clients feel, I think I'm the same a little bit. I, I love writing as well. And I think when you, when you kind of, love the topic you mentioned it Mel when you're into Mm -hmm. it so much you can just throw out a blog very quickly because your whole Mm. heart is in it right you don't have to think too much and Mm. um but it's interesting there about a lot of people giving up articles because they're not getting the views on them so yeah
1: yeah that's been going on for quite some time and then as the question am I doing what is is something I'm doing together I don't think so um, I mean, I'd like to think it's simply because they're entertaining. Not that I'm suggesting yours aren't, Phil, but I, I don't know. They're very, very, very entertaining. I've
0: met him; he's very entertaining. <laughs> I, I, I have your back on this one.
1: <laughs> so, so, um, I, I just, I just write as I speak um you know that's that's the thing and i i kind of have to be kind of mindful there might be a little bit of a a fence in there but you know it's when you're when you talk about the things that i do you are going to irritate um a certain proportion of the male population not everybody but some um but i find i think i find the article if, if i was gonna i have no um logic to this or and have no evidence to suggest this is the case but from the conversations I've had with my clients and with people who follow me, my female connections, um, because it's a little bit irreverent, it's a little bit light-hearted, and it's a bit piss um, but also serious. It, it raises a serious point. I think they enjoy reading them mm-hmm. um, because it's not it's all not all very learned and mm-hmm. you know um, and um, and earnest. It's mm-hmm. it's. It's yeah. it's fun, it's entertaining, as well as mostly having a, a good point behind it. That's the only thing I could say, but as I say, I've got absolutely no evidence. Maybe I should do a survey on why people read them.
0: But... I, 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 think, uh, I think there's two uh, trains of thoughts, isn't there? Because there's what gets the most engagement and views from a marketing standpoint. It's like, well, why would I do it? Mm. But if people's passions are to write longer form content, you can actually achieve both, I think, because you can start with the article. You can be a bit more freeform rather than, oh, I've got to cut down the characters in a tweet or this LinkedIn post doesn't have enough call to actions. And then once you post the article, you can then repurpose tweets or LinkedIn posts from that article once the content is out because it's much easier to do because you can say, oh, actually, I really like that soundbite, so I might do a quick video on that point. So I actually uh it's really interesting talking to different people some people hate writing articles and some people love writing them some people love writing them mm. and and i would i would say encourage the articles and then if you really like the content then push it out in different forms which get the engagement no, So you I get the best of both of yep yeah yep.
1: completely agree and i think you know with with articles once you've um you know, if you've got a website, you can, you can publish them on there as, as blogs. And that all helps for Google as well, because Google, um, I think I'm right with saying with articles and certainly with newsletters on, on LinkedIn, um, Google, um, what's the word you'd know better than me, tags them for searching. Um, so it helps your SEO, uh, as well. Uh, so, um, try and keep the two, one's on my site and, and um, the LinkedIn articles together. I right? almost, if I publish one on the site, it'll then go on LinkedIn and vice versa. So again, there's some consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, but the newsletter is the one I'm most excited about at the moment because um, that's um, deliberately a bit bonkers. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I'm, so, yeah. I'm going to subscribe to that. I did see that you'd launched that and I was curious. No one puts baby in the corner. Absolutely. Thought, yeah, that's we quite-
1: knew the Dirty Dancing was a film about female empowerment.
2: Yeah, there you go. I've subscribed. There you go, Mel. All oh. done. So you got another one now. So <laughs> I've just seen the time. Look at the time, Tim.
0: I know. How I I, I, I want. I wanted to ask one more question, and that was: what is the biggest challenge? And I wanted to ask specifically about women because I know that that's that's your passion area. What is the biggest challenge for women in developing their their personal brand? Mm.
1: Um. Ooh. Um, I think, I think it's the biggest challenge that all people have actually, um, that, but particularly for women, because it involves strengths. So it's defining your value proposition. Um, um, so what is it that you uniquely bring to the table in, you mentioned it earlier, the same number of characters virtually as a tweet? Um, how do you boil down um, what it is that you do, who you do it for, what the benefit to the to, for that audience is of you doing it? Uh, because it, it's it's even for marketers who could apply that to a product. Probably you know any planner in a creative brief would know how to do that. Um, uh, standing in the corner blindfold, when you have to apply it to yourself, it's another thing entirely. Uh, because first of all, it 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 requires you to really dig down and look at what your unique capabilities positioning and um, and and what you stand for is Um, and naturally women don't like talking about what they're good at Um, you know google launched i am remarkable um, in order to be able to help women overcome that just to be able to say i am remarkable because remarkable because Um, that's a whole initiative that google did to try and encourage women to be able to own their achievements and own their strengths Um, and if you're going to put a value proposition together you have to be able to do that because it's not enough to say that you do it you have to be able to deliver it so it has to be built on on your strength um so you know what is it that you do that's unique for what audience and what's the benefit and why would a company hire you, keep you, promote you, whatever it might be? Boiling that down into a couple of sentences, probably the hardest thing, but it's what everything is then built off. Um, you know, it's the it's a platform for your reputation. It's the platform for your decisions. It's the platform for your behaviors. Everything. So it's the key, just exactly the same as a a, um, a product and a creative brief. It's the key part to do, but incredibly difficult to, to do to write. Yeah,
0: and uh, and uh, and that's really interesting. That's fascinating. And would you say that one tip, which I think I heard from you at the, which I think I heard from you at the beginning of this, is to get other people to tell you what they think your strengths are so that it takes away from you having to say how wonderful you are and and also gives some good good feedback so that you can like feel you can feel the confidence from the people around you
1: absolutely because it gives you permission to say that if if it's already been validated by somebody else um so yeah it's feedback um getting proper feedback not just yeah you're doing a good job is really important um but again you know um i challenge women to sta- sit there in front of their boss and say tell me what you really think my strengths are it's the kind of question that you don't want to hear and actually probably most bosses would struggle because they'd want to say something polite um but you know it's it's the absolute fundamental um is working out your value proposition based on on your uniqueness it's a usp it's your us usp it's your usp um and um And it really takes some time to reflect and work. I, I, you know, I, I tinkered with mine for about 18 months until I landed on it. Um, And then I thought, yeah, I'm pretty much going to going to stick with that. And then when you've got it, that's your LinkedIn headline. Yeah, Yeah, you don't need it to put job title. So VP for this working for so-and-so, which is just boring. You know, you can really articulate who you are and what you're about then through your value proposition um, on LinkedIn. And it's a way more interesting way of doing it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And actually, I I asked Sarah for some advice on my profile many years back, and and Sarah gave me a bit of feedback. And I was like, actually, the most interesting thing was what you said you thought my strengths were, and what I should put in there. And I was like, good, I didn't know because you know you just you just come out with buzzwords, don't you? And yeah. actually, it's more helpful if other people recognize them. Uh, yeah, you're so close to that.
2: it, though, aren't you? You're yeah. so to that. it, though, aren't you? You're yeah. so you're too close to it. You're
0: too yeah. close, so um, I found it. I mean, I found Sarah you know extremely helpful for, and I've updated it uh since um because of oh. that feedback. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, even the marketers, maybe, maybe because they're marketers that I that I coach, they you know, you think they'd be able to do that, but they it's, it's always a head in hands. I, why can't I do this for myself? Yeah. And it is, as you say, Sarah, it's because you get to, you're so close to it because you're talking about you, um, yeah, that yeah. sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. But the point about marketing buzzwords is what is well made. And and whenever, when I go through my coaching and I say, right, you know, what are your strengths? And you, like, people generally trot out the usual suspects. The key then is to say, okay, fine, but what does that really mean? But what does that really mean? So if somebody says, I'm a good l- listener, what does that mean? Well, it means that you're patient, empathetic, you give your time for other people, that you respect um, their time as well and give them the opportunity to speak. That's all good listening. But it's so easy to just write it off as, oh, it's a good listener, strategic or problem solving. You know, if you dig down into those things, there's so much more in there. Even being punctual, you know, never being late takes planning, consideration, boundaries. And when you start thinking of it like that, you get a much richer um, um, and more interesting view of, somebody's strengths and often in those nuggets are the things that you can really pull out that is the differentiating point for them
0: amazing
2: what a brilliant way to finish you've get, you've actually inspired me Mel because we've got our team meeting next week and I think <laughs> you might uh, might split them all up and get them to explore their you to explore their unique value proposition For or, or, or ask,
0: ask all of them what, what your strengths are Yeah, Yeah. well, I
2: will. Yeah, I'll pair myself up. And I think that kind of feedback, feedback's one of our values, right, as a company. Mm. So, you know, we've got to get used to it, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah, Mm. brilliant. Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you, Mel. Oh, so for anybody listening or watching, where can they find you, Mel? You mentioned a few places, but, you know, maybe on LinkedIn.
1: So so if you want to search me on LinkedIn, it's Mel Stanley. Um, I'm there every day in between nine and ten. I also have a company page on LinkedIn, First Woman. Um, I have a website, firstwoman.rocks. Um, and um, and yeah, and I'm also on the first woman on Twitter. If you want to um, follow me for political rants and a little bit of personal branding,
2: yeah, super. Hey Amanda, thanks for joining us. I didn't know you were there. Yeah, brilliant. And anybody wants to see any more of these, we both Analytica uh, and Tribal Impact uh, and Tribal Impact, we have on our resources pages. This will be recorded on there, um, and you can find find all the previous recordings and this one there as well. So. Thank you so much, Mel. And thanks nice for to everyone. You. All the amazing comments and questions. And thank you for, for it's, it makes it even better when we get audience participation as well. So um, thank you so much, Mel. Thanks for your time. Very thank pleasure. You, thanks Enjoying for inviting
1: it. me. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye.